Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone. Plus, spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com MBO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to The Russell Moore Show. I'm Ashley Hales, the producer of The Russell Moore Show. And today we get to consider some questions from listeners. Thanks for engaging some of these hot topics for us today, Russell. Looking forward to talking about whatever we have. It's always fun. Can't um, promise that I have answers, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to engaging the questions. Yes, yes. That's part of it. Part of it is just engaging the questions. So um, one listener writes, a really thoughtful, long email to you. And I will just excerpt little bits and pieces, but he's trying to find a spot in the church. He says, American Christianity feels like a tribe and I'm not in it. There's us and there's them. And I think I've spent years pretending to be us or trying to be us. And at some point I thought I would get permission to be me. At this point, he and his wife and children aren't going to church It seems like God is saying to wait, but he doesn't know what he is waiting for. He doesn't want to do the Christian life on his own. He doesn't believe he should have to. He also recognizes he has his own social anxiety issues as well, but he wants to know how does he move forward and how does he look for a church again? Okay. Well, I mean, the the first thing that I would say is I I don't think that what you should do is stay home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if if the church is what Jesus says the church is, uh, then we need uh, one another, mm-hmm. uh, even when our situation seems to be so dysfunctional around us. But it's not. That, that's that's not an unusual sort of situation. The first century churches, <laughs> yeah, one yeah. dysfunctional yeah. mess uh, after after the other. Yeah. So what I would say is, I would have different counsel for somebody who is kind of um, uh, kind of prone to going into a truly toxic, abusive sort of situation that's not going to be good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would be more cautious on the other side. Um, it sounds like uh, this this uh, listener understands some of the reasons why mm-hmm. um, he feels uh, not 
uh, accepted or not not having a place uh, within the church. And so for him, I would probably err a little bit on the side of encouraging um, to get involved in a community where, uh, and, I, and there are these uh, church communities mm-hmm. where you really are uh, able to have that. I mean, you think about what the Holy Spirit tells us is necessary in terms of the church. One body, many members, mm-hmm. and and members who are in need of each other. So the, the church is to put together both that sense of community and interdependence and collectivity and the sense of individuality. Mm-hmm. Um, each, each member is uh, needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in terms of all of the way that the ways that God has created that person, and so I would say, first step is pray to find a church uh, where you can actually serve and, and be a part of it. Start visiting churches, including churches that you uh, maybe wouldn't ordinarily mm-hmm. uh, look at, mm-hmm. and ask some questions of people. How do you how do you deal with people who aren't quite uh, like everybody else here. Those, I mean, you can learn a lot from the way that people respond to that. Yeah. And the, the other caution I would have is to say, look for that place where you actually can serve and, and have that um, um, individuality. But don't look for a church where you're going to be immediately... Uh, seen and recognized because that often mm-hmm. takes time for mm-hmm. all of us. I mean, I think the, the 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 natural sort of temptation is to say, let me find a church of people who are going to receive me because they think just like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what the church is. You're, pe- people are going to be different and people are going to disappoint you. And that's actually how you grow and serve. Just make sure it's a place that that will let you uh, serve mm-hmm. in those ways without having to pretend to be something mm-hmm. else. And those churches are there. Mm-hmm. They, they, they really are. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm struck with the ways in which we often... Um, we try to find our way into like a perfect situation before we actually jump in. And I appreciate you saying, you know, find a place that will accept you and love you, but also a place where you can be serving and that some of that belonging actually happens as we are active amongst the people. It's good. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a process of, it's kind of like, ah, it's it's less like I mean people use this uh, language of church shopping, um, and it's less like that mm-hmm. of finding a service, and it's more like not identical with, but it's more like falling in love, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in the sense that there are all kinds of things that you're looking for. Um, in say a, a love relationship, or even take it away from that friendship, mm-hmm. you, there are all sorts of things that you're looking for that maybe you don't know how to articulate. Yeah, but you just know, okay, this is a this is not a perfect friendship. This is not a perfect friend, but I can really show up as me. Yeah. Here and I, I mean, there are all sorts of things you just you you wouldn't know how to explain them. You just know this this works. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so that's kind of what you're looking for. And sometimes it takes a little, a little bit of testing to see, is this a place like that? Ashley here. If you're looking for another podcast that features inspiring conversations with religious leaders, authors, and artists, then I recommend listening to the acclaimed podcast, No Small Endeavor. Produced by Great Feelings Studios and PRX, No Small Endeavor explores what it means to live a good life. Each episode, host Lee C. Camp sits down with special guests like award-winning journalist and best-selling author Tim Alberta and civil rights hero Reverend James Lawson to ask what it means to live a life worth living. You can even hear from Russell Moore on No Small Endeavor. If you're looking for somewhere to start, check out their new episode with Malcolm Gladwell, New York Times best-selling author and host of the wildly popular podcast, Revisionist History. They explore how Malcolm became a stellar storyteller, some of the things he may or may not regret, and so much more. Don't miss out. Follow No Small Endeavor wherever you get your podcasts. Our next question is about um, complementarianism, which is always a fun topic. (laughs) Um, A listener writes in saying, I thought it was so interesting that on the Bulletin podcast, which you do with Mike Cosper, that you said 2022 was the end of an era for complementarianism as we know it. So I'd love to, let's just talk a little bit about where that idea came from. Um, And then we can maybe even get into some of her questions about what does that look like in practice? Well, the reason that I say it was the end of an era is not because I'm saying that complementarianism and egalitarianism are gone. Right. Um, that, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm, what I'm saying is that there's a particular, um, there's a particular mode Mm-hmm. of having that binary that mm-hmm. doesn't work uh, mm-hmm. anymore because you have kind of chastened people on both sides of it. So if I mean, think of the old uh, Irving Crystal uh, quote, a conservative is a liberal who's been mugged. And Irving Crystal said, a neoconservative is a liberal who's been mugged by reality. <laughs> uh, I think that both complementarians mm-hmm. and egalitarians, or at least some of them, have been mugged by reality. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by that. Because there was a sense kind of at the height of the disputes over these questions of how do men and women uh, relate to one another, mm-hmm. that the problem was a a dangerous, slippery slope on the other side. Yep. Uh, and I think what we have come to see is that both sides were right about each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is that there is a dangerous, slippery slope uh, on both sides, and mm-hmm. so there are a lot of um, mm-hmm. a lot of egalitarian, uh, orthodox, small o, orthodox evangelical Christians who will say to me uh, that they're in a context where uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is treated as 
patriarchal language to be rejected mm-hmm. uh, or that some of the, that, that the very idea of maleness and femaleness in their particular mm-hmm. context is, uh, is thrown overboard. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying, this is, I'm, this is not, I, th- these are people who believe the Bible and who, right. uh, who, who, who just believe the Bible teaches, um, teaches a, a joint calling of both men and women to all of the offices of the church. Mm-hmm. So you've got on complementarianism side, um, the side of uh, from from which I come and still am in, in many ways, um, it's, we have seen through the sexual abuse scandals, mm-hmm. but not just that. We've and not just the sort of theobro misogyny that we have uh, seen mm-hmm. uh, out there, but also in in other ways. Um, uh, for instance, the uh, tendency to find in gender a way of um, of of making everything somehow related yeah. to that. When what the Bible does is to speak speak of us. First, as persons, and most of what the Bible speaks to us about is about what it means to be a person yeah. uh, born again into the family of God. And only then with some differing mm-hmm. uh, instructions to men and women in some context. Uh, and so when you get that out of sync, and that's easy to do, if mm-hmm. what you see is kind of a two-party uh, system here. Mm-hmm. What I see happening now is that uh, there's, a, there's a kind of complementarian still and, mm-hmm. and probably always will, who will say, if you don't agree with me uh, on all of these points, including some of the, the, the more tangential uh, kinds of points, then you're liberalizing. Yeah. And I, I can't have fellowship with you. There's still that. And there's still the kind of egalitarian that says, well, complementarianism itself is by definition uh, misogyny. Right. So I- any difference in calling in terms of uh, ordained ministry or, or, or otherwise, that this is by definition, misogyny and by definition, abusive, mm-hmm. which which has the has a couple of problems. I mean, one of the problems is that you then exclude the vast majority of mm-hmm. the body of Christ uh, through time yep. uh, right now in the world and and through time. But secondly, because you kind of um, then let complementarians off the hook for being accountable hmm. uh, and, and to say there's no way that you can be. Uh, so you've got, you've still got that, but then you've got a group of egalitarians and complementarians mm-hmm. who are finding we have a lot in common because even in the places where we might come to uh, a difference mm-hmm. of interpretation, mm-hmm. we're we're getting there the same way yeah. and we're we're looking to the same authority and so mm-hmm. we can bear with one another and the the imagery that i would use is uh baptism mm-hmm. um i am a baptist to come out of the baptist tradition of uh believers baptism by immersion i have far more in common 
with an infant baptizing Presbyterian than I do with a Latter-day Saint, even though they baptize believers, mm-hmm. you know, their mm-hmm. definition of believers by immersion. Yep. <laughs> I have far more in common with that Presbyterian or Lutheran, obviously. Uh, and I think the same thing is true. I have far more in common um, a, a, an egalitarian who uh, is uh, committed to the authority of Scripture mm-hmm. And a complementarian who is committed to the the gifting of both men and women Mm -hmm. and to the dignity of both men and women, not just in rhetoric, but actually believes that they have far more in common than that complementarian has with the misogynistic Theobro uh, and that the egalitarian has Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. radical gender theorist. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think I think mm-hmm. more and more people are starting to realize that and starting to treat that mm-hmm. the way that we do a question such as baptism mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. we're on opposite sides. How do we think about, you know, that overlap um and partnership amongst people who do dip, who are disagreeing over yeah, baptism or women's roles in the church? How do we begin to um think through helpful partnerships um, in this day and age? Well, the, the, the question is going to be, uh, what is the partnership? Right. Uh, what are you doing with the, the partnership? And so, and, and that's going to be the case really on anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can have a, uh, a, a very fruitful partnership with my Presbyterian covenant uh, theologian uh, friend who uh, believes in baptizing infants. I mean, uh, uh, I, I, would, I would wonder what percentage of my friends are in that category, but it's a lot. <laughs> your producer's uh, in and, that category, and, Russell. <laughs> yeah, you're in that category. Uh, there are all kinds of people in my life that are in that category that I am able mm-hmm. to partner with all the time. It kind of depends on what the what the partnership is mm-hmm. as to what degree you can work these things out. Mm-hmm. What do you think, given those these sorts of partnerships, I feel like will become increasingly common um, across yeah. across lines of difference um, as we move mm-hmm. forward in American Christian life. Um, given that reality, what do you think the church can do to kind of spur that sort of imaginative possibilities? Um, to you know, for for working across difference and working across some of those, maybe even kind of what had been pretty compartmentalized views of who, how we interact and who we interact with. Well, I think one one way is to realize when we're dealing with some of these uh, secondary issues. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about creedal uh, issues. I'm not talking about uh, matters of orthodoxy, but on a lot of these. Uh, distinctive uh, issues that that often are are secondary or or tertiary. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're dealing with often is a uh, a difference of emphasis mm-hmm. when both of those emphases are necessary. Yeah, I mean, you know, both can't be right. I mean, you can't uh, you, you can't say 
babies should be baptized and babies should not be baptized. <laughs> so I'm not saying they're both right. What I am saying is what you can say is what do I need to hear in that that is mm-hmm. uh, true and compelling? So the infant uh, uh, baptizing uh, Presbyterian uh, may say, and I've had people uh, say this to me, look, I, I firmly believe in baptizing infants and I'm really glad that there are people reminding us uh, a, a, a person individually must come to follow Christ. That's true. Mm-hmm. They say, that's true. It's not true the way they apply that to baptism because I think they're seeing some things wrong, but that is true. Mm -hmm. And for the Baptist to say, um, I don't think that Jesus calls us to baptize infants, but what my Presbyterian friend is emphasizing here is uh, is that there is something distinct about growing up within the context of uh, the church Mm -hmm. and being part of a community of people even before you consciously choose to follow Christ. That's true too. Mm -hmm. And so when when you have those things and you're saying, even where we disagree, and sometimes you're gonna change your mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, be open to changing your mind on a, a lot of these these mm-hmm. things over time. I've changed my mind on a lot of things, never because somebody has argued <laughs> me down. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. But because I've kind of looked at what they're saying and I've looked at the way it's being applied. And over time, I've thought, thought it through and said, let me go back to the word of God and, and reconsider mm-hmm. what it is that I think about that. Be, be, be open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think you, in whatever endeavor you take, have at the front end the sense of, okay, these are the things that we would divide over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're, we're on the same page on the Trinity and if either of us be- becomes a Unitarian, we can't yeah. recognize one another yeah. as partners in, in the mission. Mm-hmm. So those are things that we would be willing to divide over. And here are the things that we're pre-committing mm. that we're not going to divide over. Mm-hmm. And I belong to a church that um, has both um, infant baptism and uh, believer's baptism. Mm -hmm. Not because anybody is saying, well, both of these things are uh, the the command of Christ, but because the church has said ahead of time, we have some differing views on these things, but we're, we're all of us trying to follow the command of Christ and we are willing to bear with one another mm-hmm. because we have so much in common with this uh, mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that has to be articulated ahead of time. Yeah. So that you're kind of constantly reminding yourself, okay, wait, 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 wait. We can have differences of views mm-hmm. here and it's not, it, it's not awkward and divisive. Mm-hmm. Because we've defined, okay, here are the things we really would split up over. Yeah, right, <laughs> uh, right. I, I, think that, I think that has to be at the forefront. Yeah, I just think there's, there's so many questions about how do we develop kind of a Christian imagination to begin to, to partner across, across difference that I'm, I'm fascinated in. And I'm sure we'll have 
lots more conversations. Well, and, and, and one thing I would say is that sometimes the imagination comes after the partnership. Mm. Uh, and and, and what, I, what I mean by that is that we all tend to kind of caricature uh, each other yeah. based upon things we've seen or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when uh, when the dispensationalist and the Pentecostal uh, are working together mm-hmm. at the homeless shelter mm-hmm. or are, are both doing the evangelistic crusade and they start to, the, the dispensationalist starts to realize, wait, Pentecostals aren't um, uh, irrational uh, mm-hmm. sorts of uh, mm-hmm. mystics driven by, at least he's not or she's not. Right. Uh, and the, the Pentecostal starts to say, you know, uh, People who don't speak in tongues are not necessarily spiritually lifeless. Mm-hmm. It's because they're working together and they're actually yeah. able to see uh, the the fruit of the spirit manifesting itself in in yeah. different ways. I I think sometimes the imagination is I think you're right the second step. Yeah. In the same way that you are encouraging our listener to just go be a part of a church, <laughs> um, right? Like yeah. that once we're in the community, once we're in a face to face relationship maybe then we begin to get a bigger vision and picture for what the body of Christ actually is. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes you sometimes you realize, oh wait, no, this is this is not a good situation and I need to to leave it. But sometimes what you find is, oh wait a minute. It's it's not that you're saying, oh, well everybody's really okay. Yeah. yeah. It's that you're saying the dividing line between what's okay and not and what's not okay is not necessarily in the place I was putting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that Jesus 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 might be intentionally putting us in places where we mm-hmm. disagree mm-hmm. on some things yeah. in order to to show us what unity in Christ looks like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's a lot more beautiful and more complicated, right? Than, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, than just staying in our silos. Yeah. What I loved most of all about Israel and why I became a Zionist was because Zionism was a rejection of victimhood. A few weeks ago on CT's The Bulletin, we launched Promised Land, a new podcast about Israel and Palestine in a post-October 7th world. 6.30 a.m., we're, we're in, in, in our synagogue praying, and sirens go off, and they're, and they're going on. Based on interviews and conversations captured on the ground in Israel last November, it's an exploration of the spiritual, political, and historical roots of the conflict. When there's a weak Israel, Every Jew in the world is weak. And why should uh, a Russian Jew who has nothing to do with this land come, come here? Why? Well, I mean, if you want, you can give them Texas. You love them so much. I am alive because I wasn't, I, I didn't come home. But they, all my friends that were here were murdered. Here, here, over there. This week, Promised Land moves to its own feed. You'll find links in the show notes. So if you haven't heard it yet, you can go catch up and catch the new episodes as they come all in one place. Our next question comes from a business owner and he's he um, is, is thinking about how he balances his job responsibility with a possible request to write words 
that promotes an LGBTQ lifestyle. So I believe his company is proudly owned um, by a member of the gay community. And he's wondering, how do I reconcile my belief with a different belief? And what do I do about it in terms of my business? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the first thing to do is get rid of the word lifestyle. Yeah, uh, because I mean, that's not a that's not a biblical. I'm just quoting him. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. But I'm, I'm saying that that's that's not a biblical word, yeah. nor is it a word that that uh, people in the LGBTQ community would recognize right. for themselves. Yep. So it's one we can we can, one we can toss. Great, uh, we can get rid of. Um, I think in in these situations, what's helpful for me. Mm-hmm is because these are going to be uh, sometimes very complex uh, kinds of questions, that what's most helpful is having an analogy to to work with. Mm -hmm. And the analogy that I've given is take all of these things that are kind of... um, defined by current culture war sorts of uh, rhetoric, but are uh, real differences over what um, uh, over what is moral and, and right. Translate that over to a world religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to have in your mind uh, the understanding of what if this, what if what I were dealing with were uh, Hinduism? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not, they're not, the same, but they're the same in that sense that you're having to think through so that you're going to have, um, you can't, you can't violate your conscience and people sometimes are going to have consciences that differ. I mean, that's what, Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of first Corinthians is about. Mm -hmm. What a lot of, uh, Romans is about, Mm -hmm. uh, including in, in first Corinthians on a really important question of, uh, meat offered to idols. So, you, you don't sin against your conscience and you recognize that. I mean, so so transfer it over to the question of Hinduism mm-hmm. and say, what could I do if if my um, if my company uh, said to me, we want you to talk about how much you value your uh, Hindu co-workers. Could you do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think most most Christians would readily say, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we can talk about how we value our Hindu uh, co-workers. We don't think, I mean, it's one thing if you're working at an evangelistic association or something right. yeah. where you would say we all need to be Christians. But if you're thinking about a secular business place, no, we want these uh, really skilled Hindu uh, co-workers here. And I can in good conscience uh, say that. Um, can you? in good conscience, make sure that those Hindu co-workers are not being mistreated. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's exactly what you ought to be doing. Can you uh, recognize in the newsletter that it's Diwali and that uh, the Hindu uh, workers there are going to be celebrating Diwali? Uh, I could in terms of, uh, I, I don't think that that implies that I worship the Hindu pantheon mm-hmm. uh, to, to recognize that we have coworkers who are, who are observing uh, their holiday there. Uh, could I, though, um, talk about, um, uh, talk about um, 
how great specific Hindu gods are. No. Mm-hmm. Could I could I light candles to the gods at uh, at the Diwali festival? No, <laughs> couldn't do that. That would be a violation of my conscience. And so you're you're going to have uh, you're going to have matters where what you are being asked to do is to say, I don't believe things that I do believe. Mm. Um, or I'm, I'm being asked to violate my deepest convictions um, in order to be here. When that's the case, then you have to opt out of that. But most times you're going, you, you, that's not what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in, it's instead being in a pluralistic yeah. uh, workplace where what you're doing is, is um, treating people with respect and, and not mistreating people. And so sometimes what has to happen is maybe you've got a workplace that is saying, we need you to do this uh, and you can't. And so what you do is what Daniel did in Daniel chapter one, which is to to come in and say, I can't do that, mm-hmm. but uh, how about this? Yeah. That would not violate my conscience or anybody else's conscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we? Why don't we try that? Let me have the vegetables and water and see if we don't. Mm-hmm. Get as fat as everybody else. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what's happening in, in <laughs> Daniel. So sometimes you sometimes you do that, mm. and then there are going to be times with all with all of this stuff. There are going to be times where you are going to be unsure, and in which you're going to make some mistakes, and you're going to say later on, looking back, I wish that I hadn't done this, or I wish that I hadn't been. So unyielding on mm-hmm. something that now I see really wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. You're gonna make you're gonna make mistakes. That's part of living life. <laughs> so uh, recognize that and don't be devastated by it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Thank you for that helpful analogy. It's it's helpful sometimes to take it out of what feels like a pressure cooker on particular kind of culture war issues and to to begin to think about it a little bit more systematically. So thank you. Our last question for this episode um, has to do with a pastoral candidate who is asking for advice about what the tipping point between keep something that's seemingly good and throw out the bad parts of something and avoid something because the good isn't worth the bad. So He's thinking about that in terms of the Enneagram and all of these sorts of potentially divisive sorts of kind of, I don't know, tertiary conversations. So how do you know when to engage in something that might be good, but there's some weird weirdness there or um, the good isn't worth the bad? How do they, how does that pastoral candidate think about that in terms of his or her um work with staff or congregations? Well, I mean, I think in in anything except for Jesus and the Bible, <laughs> you're going to be dealing with things that have some weirdnesses <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. attached to them and and some some uh, morally problematic sorts of applications uh, to them. That's mm-hmm. that's going to be the case mm-hmm. with with anything. I, I think the way that the way, at least the way that I work this through Mm -hmm. is to say, first of all, 
whatever the the tool is in front of me, is this something that is going to cause me or someone else to sin? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I work that through. And if the answer is yes, or I'm not sure, then I avoid that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second step would be to say, is this something that is going to bring uh, enough, uh, enough benefit that it's worth kind of teaching people uh, why it brings the benefit to them mm-hmm. uh, or not? And sometimes you're going to say, or not. So here's an example from, let's take it out of the things that people are likely to fight about right (laughs) now, because they'll, because then that'll become the issue that comes to our mind. And let's think of, um, there was a day when Harry Potter was super controversial Mm -hmm. among uh, evangelical Christians Mm -hmm. and not, I mean, now people say, oh, J.K. Rowling's and all kinds of controversy (laughs) over the the gender question. That wasn't why. Uh, So you you had a situation where Harry Potter was, um, you know, a, a lot of people saying, I think this is witchcraft and, and, and occultism and whatever. I don't believe that. Uh, have no problem right. with Harry Potter, uh, have no problem buying Harry Potter books for my kids then or now, no problem taking them to Harry Potter movies, mm-hmm. no problem riding Harry Potter rides uh, at Universal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I had a friend who was coming into a super, super uh, conservative evangelical sort of context where she was teaching people uh, how to write uh, essays. And what she did was to say, let's read this section of Harry Potter and then and then use that. Mm-hmm. Well, that would work in all kinds of contexts, but I had to say to her, eh, I think I'd choose something else uh, just because you're going to, right. then it's going to be a conversation about Harry Potter mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> rather than, and you're going to spend so much time uh, sort of arguing for people, here's why you should, why you can benefit from this, that they're not going to benefit right, from it. Right. So it's not worth it. Just, just, uh, just choose something else. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, that was in terms of the, the benefit, you just sit back and you, and you ask yourself that question. And in that case, I was able to say, you know, uh, it's not worth it for her to spend, uh, 20 minutes dealing with whether or not she's asking people to practice the occult when she can, right. she can get right. the same benefit somewhere else. On the other hand, uh, it's also not the case that I'm going to say, well, my children uh, are always under the tyranny of what, uh, of what I'm afraid of because of other people's consciences that I don't hold. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? that's good, so, yeah. And, yeah. And, and again, sometimes you're going to get that wrong. Yeah, but, but part, part of being a differentiated leader too is is recognizing you will always have pushback even if you are doing that great job of saying, hey, this is why this matters, right? And to to not make that the basis for one's decision as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, we all do this and, and we all do this with, um, we all have uh, people in our lives that we would say, 
you know, there are all kinds of things that we could have a discussion about right now. Mm-hmm. This one isn't worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. bring up Uncle Ronnie at Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> because, because you you have to bring up Uncle Ronnie if what you're doing is an intervention, right? On Uncle Ronnie, right? Or uh, whether or not you're advising somebody to marry Uncle Ronnie. Mm-hmm. But if what you're trying to do is to sit down to Thanksgiving dinner, just don't. <laughs> it's not worth bringing it up. Good, I like it. <laughs> Well, thank you as always, Russell. It's such a pleasure to hear your wisdom and to help us think through this cultural moment um, outside of some of the cultural war rhetoric. So um, listeners, if you do have a question for Dr. Russell Moore, we would love to answer it on another episode. So go ahead and email us at questions at russellmoore.com. Thanks again. The Russell Moore Show is a production of Christianity Today. Executive producers are Eric Petrick, Russell Moore, and Mike Cosbert. Hosted by Russell Moore. Produced by Ashley Hales. Associate producers, Abby Perry and Azurae Phelps. CT administration provided by Christine Kolb. Social media by Kate Lucky. Director of operations for CT Media is Matt Stevens. Production assistance provided by Core Media. Audio engineer is Kevin Duthu. Coordinator is Beth Grabencourt. Video producer is John Rowland. The theme song for The Russell Moore Show is Dusty Delta Day by Lennon Hutton. 